0: Welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Today we have a special treat. We're going to hear from several NDEs or near-death experiences from Raymond Moody's Life After Life. Now, Dr. Raymond Moody is a renowned psychiatrist who did a study of near-death experiences for years and is well-respected in this field. He has a book called Life After Life as well as a video. And today I'm taking the sound bites from part of his video playing them for you today. He has found throughout his studies that many of these near-death experiences have many things in common. He goes on to talk about these similarities in death. However, I've cut all of these sound bites out so that we hear just the near-death experiences from the actual people themselves. So to start with, we're going to hear from a lady named Viola Horton. She has a remarkable near-death experience. And here is her story in her own words.
1: I had not responded to treatment. I was getting worse and the doctor had come to see. And at this point, he says, I've lost her. She's gone. And I thought, well, who's he talking about? But just before this, I have been in terrible pain. I was just hurting so bad I wanted to get away from it. And there was this slight buzzing at the ear, and I felt myself pop out of the body. I was, I don't know how I came out. I was just suddenly out of the body. And I sat down on the head of the bed a minute to look around. Then I felt myself float up to the ceiling, and I was looking down, and he said she's, gone and I couldn't believe it and I thought, Well who's gone? and I was trying to look down to see. And I felt presences with me. Uh, Guardian angels is what they were, but I call them guides. As I have come out, I'm in no pain, but I'm also just free of everything. I'm no one's wife, mother or daughter. I'm just myself alone. And all of a sudden, I'm aware of people out in the hall. The room had been sealed off because he was going to do surgery in the room. So I immediately went out through the door, did not open it, just went out. I was immediately on the other side of the, in the hall. But I go up to my daughter, and I try to make her me. Kathy, go home and change your clothes. I couldn't make her me, so I went to her dad. I said, Judd, take Kathy home. Change her clothes. She should be out like this. While they were in the hall, um, I was trying to send them home. A brother of my husband's came up. And he was talking to him and he had gotten worried to come. And one of his neighbors was also in the hospital. And he came up and started talking to my brother-in-law, wanting to know what he was doing at the hospital and what he was going to do that weekend. He said, well, it looks like my sister-in-law was going to kick the bucket, and I was planning to go to Athens, but I'll stick around now to be a pallbearer. Later, I was also able to talk to him. He did want to admit it, but he did admit this is what he had said, and I laughed at him because it embarrassed him. And this time I'm thinking, I want to see my sister, so, I immediately find myself in Rockville, Maryland at her home and she's getting ready to go grocery shopping. She's wearing a beige suit with a green blouse. She's had to go over the house and look for a keys that she had misplaced, had to find her grocery list and finally she walks out her front door to get in her blue Monte Carlo Chevrolet. And I Feel there's no need for me to go to the grocery store with her. So I let her go on and I'm going to pop over then to another sister who lives a few miles away from her. And this other sister had already left home. I was able to determine she had gone grocery shopping herself. So the guides asked me, was I ready to leave this area now? And I agreed. Said yes. About two weeks after I had this near-death experience. I was in contact with my sisters, and I brought this fact up to her and described and she said, well, how did you know? I didn't see you, you weren't here. Don't know exactly how I entered the tunnel, or just at what point, but it was when the guides had asked me, and I said yes, and I feel myself going in an upward motion. The tunnel is... Not too big, um, just seemed for one person to go one at a time. It doesn't touch you. Well, I didn't reach out and touch the walls, but it's black, and I feel myself going up and looking at light, bright light at the end of the tunnel. And the next, as I'm going along, I see the gray area, but I did not stop to go in and see just what was going on. I went on to come out into this beautiful pasture, valley land. Flowers, bright, beautiful light, brilliant color. Nothing here is like it at all. And I'd lost a girlfriend in the polio epidemic in the 30s. I think it was 38, but I'm not positive at that date. And she assured me that everything was fine and she was happy. And I also saw my grandparents coming to meet me. I had never known my grandfathers, they had both passed away before I was born, but I did know my grandmothers and my mother also. And as I'm there, this baby appears to me, and he sa- says, hi, I'm your brother. And I said, I don't have a brother. And we don't talk as I'm talking to you. There was no way of misunderstanding, it was more like it was mental telepathy. And he shows himself to me as a small infant dressed in a cap and a little long dress with a knitted sack over it, booties and socks, and tells me, look me over now and remember how I look this way. And you can tell our father when you get back and he'll tell you it happened. And when I was able to talk to him, my dad said, Well, I don't know how you knew that, because nobody but your mother and the doctor and I knew about these things. This is the most wonderful part of it. This is a warm, loving light. It's the most masculine, but it also has overtones of mother love, sisterly love. This just pulsates around. He has totally accepted me. And forgiven me for everything I've ever done but can I forgive myself for some of these selfish things I have done. With the light there is this panoramic view of my life. It starts with birth, it continues right on to where we are at this point. All at the same time I am part of the view as well as being watching it I am actually doing these things. I guess it's a speeded up version of a camera that just runs double time or something. But I actually had the feelings of what was going on as I saw it and also standing off to the side and being able to look around and look at the different things that went on at different times in my life. And what I had always thought was important and nice things I had done, they didn't even count for anything, it's a little unknown things that you do for one another. And love there is always helping to give others love and helping hand along the way. And at the same time, you're benefiting because you're receiving also. And I'm told "Then are you ready to go back? No, I want to go on to the City of Light. No, don't you want to go back? And I could hear my daughter and look back and see her and my husband. They were saying, Vi, don't go. Come back to us. Mama, I need you. Mom, come back. And They asked me again, are you ready to go? I said, no, but it seems that my daughter needs me, so I must go back. They also want to know about hell. Is it a fiery, burning place? Well, what I found to be hell was separation from God. This is a total hell. It had a lot of effects and change in my life. It's made me a more understanding person of others. I know I don't have the right to take my life. I would, didn't want to return, and I would love to go back. Someday I will, and then I hopefully can stay and I'd have to come back and try again. But I know I cannot take my life and go there. Things would not work out right. But I, I think I'm a better person by watching for the needs of others and not being always selfish. Oh, I'm still selfish. I'm still a human. But it has changed my way of thinking.
0: We'll be right back with more of these fascinating stories, right after this. Now our next near-death experience is from a man named George Radonia. He originally was from Russia, and was killed by the KGB. Here now is his remarkable story.
2: I was a dissident in Soviet Union and I had an invitation from United States. Uh, In 1975, I received this invitation In 1976 I was given the exit visa and I was leaving for uh, New York that day and I was coming to take uh, my passport and I was ready to fly. My family was already in airport waiting for me. That time on sidewalk I was moved over or run over by car. Um, it was fabricated by KGB they wanted to kill me and not to let me go and I was taken to hospital Uh, doctors did anything they could to help me but I was declared dead there was absolute freedom of your soul and body. And this amazed me. And this was very interesting too. I was happy to be in such experience because I could see their thoughts. I could see everything what was happening. I could smell. I could hear and I could see their thoughts. This was the main thing what was very very making me happy and proud I don't know if this word is good to use here or not but I'm proud of that That I can see their thoughts but it was not bothering me I saw my body and I hated it and I didn't want to come to my body back it was amazing that I I, I was never leaving my body too. I was everywhere who thought about me but I was with my body it means that I I was not leaving the one part for another I was everywhere the same time. I could be in New York, I could be in Longview, Texas, I could be uh, in uh, Moscow, I could be in, in Tbilisi, Georgia, in any place. There was no distance and time at that time with me. I could communicate with the children, with very little children, who couldn't speak and who couldn't walk and who were very little and just coming from that place where I was going. And this was amazing communication with them, uh, spiritual communication. We we never spoke in words. We spoke in in uh, mental communication. And uh, she had broken hip, and nobody understood why she was crying so loud. And uh, the doctors and his parents were very concerned about this and i said don't cry anyway nobody will understand why do you cry and she she stopped crying and she uh, smiled you know and and it was incredible experience for that people who were around and they looked at her and said what's happened why she's not crying at this time i want to tell them that you know she has this disease this happened with her but i couldn't communicate with them after third day when i was um, back to my body and after three days when I could speak I said to them that you know your daughter is uh, crying because of this she has a broken hip and you know and uh, this is the diagnosis which you are seeking on you know and they, they found that it was truth you know they were shocked and they were surprised I have this pain and I'm in darkness I cannot see anything. Then I cannot move hand. then I cannot move my body. And then I understood that I have nothing, but I am. And it scared me, fear, unknown. Why are all people afraid of darkness? Because they don't know what is in darkness. The fear of darkness is because of unknown. Ununderstandable makes you to be afraid of something. That's why I was afraid too. I was afraid of this darkness. I was afraid of being there, but more afraid was that I was somewhere without my body. But I was, and I was a scientist. You know, I worked on idea of psychology and languages. You know, I learned physics, I learned chemistry, I learned many other physiologies, uh, anatomy, and all it was based on dialectical materialism, historical materialism, and in my idea it was impossible to be somewhere without your body, where is my main component, my life, my body, you know, I was scared to death, (laughs) but I was already dead. And this, That was the amazing feeling to understand that you are, but you are not, if you think you are. If I think, I thought, I am. But if I am, and if I think, why cannot I think positively what's happening around me? And I began to think about light. I saw light outside of darkness and it shocked me but first feeling which i had was to come to that light the first thought which came to me was to go into this light and i had that movement particularly very great thing happened with me it was that i saw my parents my real parents and i understood that they were killed And they were killed by KGB in Moscow, and I was happy of this. It sounds very ridiculous, but, you know, I was happy because I was thought that I was abandoned by them. I saw all my life, but it's in that dimension which cannot be described. This was holographical view of uh, being inside of your life and then being as a... Uh, as a viewer participating the play of theater which happening there but it is you and you know that you are this we are alive because of love and this was what brought me back which to be honest i didn't want to come back but this love brought me back love of that people who wanted me back darkness where i was first This is the same as somebody told you, uh, the separation from light, from love, from God, from infinity. Of course, this is hell. That's why suicide was condemned by all religious. That's why they are telling that you will go to hell. It means you will go to nowhere, and nowhere does not exist. It means you will go somewhere on opposite than goodness. This weekend, I was in morgue. And on Monday, I was taken from morgue, washed, and they began autopsy. Uh, It was 11 o'clock in the morning when they opened my abdomen. They took hematoma. Hematoma. And they began this T kind autopsy. And some great power took me with neck, I think, that part I can explain it pushed me down and i saw this movement down and then i felt my headache and i opened eyes and this was coming back to my body this is the main message which i brought back that love is what can be cannot be changed this is everlasting and love is with life always together love what keeps this world alive love <clears throat> as an eternity. Love as a mm, as a basic of humankind uh, and uh, we are alive because of love. I saw life as an infinite life, infinite light, as an everlasting being. We, we cannot die because we are already created or to live forever. The dimension of spirit is everlasting life. Death does not exist. Don't be afraid. Death is only the part as a station, railroad station, where you come always to go to another life.
0: We'll be right back with part three of our podcast right after this. <music> Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us each week for an exciting and inspirational podcast dealing with angel encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. So tune in each week and share it with your friends. After all, they could use a little inspiration in their life, too. That's The Watchman on the Wall podcast, and now you can find us on YouTube. Now, in part three of our podcast, we'll have two near-death experiences. The first one is a short one by Dr. George Ritchie. Our last one is from Daniel Brinkley, who many of you have heard that name before. He's pretty famous in the near-death experience world and has wrote several books on his experience. So here now is Dr. George Ritchie.
3: 15 minutes before I was to be picked up by a jeep, uh, I was discovered to have a temperature of 106 and a half, and instead of waiting for the jeep, the captain in charge of the ward sent me over to the x-ray, and the last thing I remember was the captain in charge of the x-ray asking him, I thought I could stand up long enough for them to get a picture of my chest. And I remember hearing that x-ray making that peculiar whirring sound and then the click and I'm told that I collapsed in a heap. And I could see the soldiers and the nurses and the doctors, but they could not see me. And I went from ward to ward, bed to bed, trying to find a soldier that I thought that looked like me lying in the bed. I was becoming more and more desperate because, as I say, I could see these human beings, but I could not communicate with them. Finally I went into this little isolated ward room and sure enough lying in the bed with the sheet pulled up over the head was this body that I had to recognize as me because I had my fraternity ring on its finger I had left that room when as far as uh, Vicksburg, Mississippi So, a man getting ready to go into a white all night cafe there on the corner of a street in Vicksburg and asked him if uh, He could tell me if I was going in the right direction to get to Richmond. And this man acted the same way that a a ward boy had in the corridor that I passed as I was going out of the hospital uh, like he could neither see me nor hear me. Actually, I walked right through the ward boy going out. But I was so determined to get back to Richmond that never even stopped me. And when this guy couldn't see me, then I realized that there was a vast change. Something was wrong that these people could neither see nor hear me. The way that I know that it was Vicksburg, Mississippi, because 10 months after this experience, I came back through Vicksburg and recognized the white all-night cafe on the corner. Time and distance, as you and I comprehended in this room, simply does not exist, because simply by wanting to be heading back towards Richmond, apparently I was and sitting there wondering what to do next when suddenly that room became flooded with light and then three things happened simultaneously just like that something deep inside of the spiritual being sitting on the side of the bed looking at the corpse lying in the bed was told to stand up here in the presence of the Son of God out of that light stepped the most amazing being I have ever been in the presence of the most powerfully built male I have ever seen and now once being in the presence of a being who knows everything about you to know that he totally accepts you and totally loves you I never wanted to leave this being again under any circumstance as those hospital walls virtually disappeared and I saw every minute detail of my life seeing my own cesarean section graph through the 20 years that I had lived because I was only 20 at the time and the question was what have you done with your life to show me well I'm Look around this panoramic view and I'm hoping that uh, you'll notice some good things and of course I'm trying to pick the best thing and hoping you won't see rather some rather embarrassing things that happened to me as a teenager and I thought well I was an able Scout. Immediately came back that glorified you. Again the answer the second time. What have you done with your life? But this time the emphasis was on to show me. But I understood what he was saying. He was asking me, had I learned to love my fellow human beings the way that he totally accepted and loved me? The third thing that I have learned is that life is forever. Death is nothing more or less than a doorway, it's
0: something you walk through. Here now is the story of Daniel Brinkley, who died being struck by lightning.
4: What happened is I felt like I'd been hit by a train. But what had happened was I was talking on the phone, holding the telephone like this. The lightning came down the phone line, entered my neck. It went through my spine, threw me up in the air. As it threw me in the air, it knocked me out of my shoes and welded the nails in the heels of my shoes to the nails in the floor, which is how I was grounded and I didn't explode. But then all of a sudden I heard this statement. He's gone, he's gone, and it was the paramedic making that statement to the driver. At that point, I was standing behind the paramedic. I was watching him work on my body. I have the distinct memory of always trying to look at myself and thinking how much better looking I thought I was than that, because this guy was ugly, he was in trouble, and he had these blue lines all down his face. And I was happy, truly happy, to be away from that body. They could have it. And I did not feel one bit of remorse or sadness, no matter what had happened. The next thing I remember is I heard a set of chimes. And as I looked at an angle, probably 40, 35 or 40 degrees, I could see a tunnel. The tunnel was like a spiral, like it was moving, whether I was moving or not then I began to whisk down it and I could hear these chimes but I was in other peace and other tranquility and it was such a stark dramatic difference between the way that body was and what was happening to that body and this place I was this utter peace. As I moved closer to the light I was kept being surrounded and filled with this love this love of like I can't describe it except when you haven't seen your parents in a long time You've been away from your family, and when you first see your mom and your dad, that feeling when you're a small kid, that feeling that you get, I knew I was safe. I knew everything was peaceful, and I knew it was right. As I came into the tunnel, came through the tunnel, I came into a place much like walking out of a dark room into a bright room, as if my eyes were trying to adjust to this brilliant light. The contrast between the brilliant light of the lightning bolt And the brilliant light that was in the tunnel was another thing that was quite dramatic. Because this light was so brilliant and so bright, it passed through me, it permeated me. It it, it, it and I became one. To my right, I saw a being coming toward me. In those days, I had never heard of the death experience or ever had it described to me, so I had no idea how to relate to it. Since then I've heard people describe it as God or Jesus or Moses or lots of different names, a great angel. I, I believe that this being of light was my higher self, the greater part of me looking at the part of me that just experienced this life. As this being, cause this being, I was so comfortable with this being and so assured that only I, if someone knew themselves and knew the love of God in them, then they could have that same relationship with themselves. And it was as if this being had come to be with me. If I had a panoramic view of my life, every feeling, every thought, every action, every deed all at the same time, the same time. And as it started happening, I began to see how I affected the person that I had the encounter with or the experience, whether it be me personally or whether it be someone else, and then how they were affected how it was one step removed from us and how they were affected. And believe me, there is nothing hidden in your life. You will see the things that you did out of your heart, helping an old woman, picking a kid up, helping someone, an action that you take, uncalculated, unthought, just out of goodness of your heart. These things herald through the universe, not your great accomplishments, not what you achieve or what you think has value. The little things have value. And when you look at it, you look at it from a place to review and to be critical of yourself, not to be judged, to be condemned. There is no condemnation in it. There is none, there is nothing. But hey, look at yourself, look who you really are and look what you've done and then give it a value in the eyes of God. The death experience gives you a value of what that love is, that you are so deeply loved, and that you yourself so deeply love. You begin to sense a part of yourself greater and far more magnificent than you ever give yourself credit for. I never wanted to come back. I wouldn't have traded, and I would not trade today. For the few moments that I got to spend on the other side, I wouldn't trade 20 of these lives. And when I had to come back, I came back dragging, kicking, and scratching, because I didn't want to. And people will say to me, they say, well, Daniel, what about hell? I'll say, well, they didn't bring it up, Not darn sure didn't. Because maybe they might have checked and said, hey, Daniel, you're on this wrong list. You're supposed to be somewhere else. The next thing that I knew, I was floating over my body in the emergency room, and they were working on me. Then they stopped working on me. They put a sheet over me. They filled out a piece of paper, and they rolled me in a room. And I was lying in that room, and I was hovering above myself, watching myself. Then I heard what appeared to be an elevator door open, and these two guys came in, and they were getting ready to take me someplace. I later found out that that was probably the morgue. Then at that exact moment, I was inside a body again, It was on fire, it was in pain, I could not move. So I started blowing the sheet. And they jerked the sheet off, pushed me back into the emergency room, worked on me and stabilized me. And in the course of the next seven days, I was completely paralyzed. I think the most important point about the death experience is that it is orderly. And the fact that small children, all the way to grown people have similar experiences. And if people could understand that if they would pay more attention to each other and to care and have faith and hope in each other, we could also begin to believe and have faith and hope in the true nature of the love of God. And not God in a a religious value, but God in a spiritual value, that through love all things are truly possible. Know that it'll be a safe journey, that you'll be taking that journey, not alone, but surrounded by love, a greater love than you understand. And when you get to your part and place in that journey, whether it be not to come back or to be like a few of us to return, know that it symbolizes the orderly way in which God has prepared life for each of us and in that life, the orderly passing and movement to another life, that you do not die, that the love of God sees you through all things and that you will be forever just in another place.
0: Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us on our new video channel called Encounters from Beyond the Veil. It's the same exciting content as our audio podcast, but in a shorter, but yet a video format. Also, please subscribe so you won't miss any of our episodes. That's Encounters from Beyond the Veil, exclusively found on YouTube. Thanks again for listening and if you enjoyed this episode please share it with your friends. Any comments or suggestions you may have you can send to the thewatchmanonthewall2020 at gmail.com. We encourage you to subscribe so you'll always be notified of our future episodes. Well thanks again and we'll see you next time on the Watchman on the Wall.